This is WNXS News with your anchors, Kit Harding, Jake E, ISO on Esports, and Diz on Product Forecast. Welcome to WNXS News, your nexus for magic news. I'm Jank E. And I'm Kit Harding. Thank you for joining us. Our top story this episode breaks our weeks-long string of just terrible stories. We finally get some good news? Honestly, this is probably the best news that we could hope for regarding magic when you consider everything else. Arjani and Elspeth are teaming up with Karn to take on giant murder wizards on a new plane we've never seen before? No, that's not it. Whoever's been making the increasingly overly powerful chase cards got eaten by a Gru? That's not even the right game! The Mono Vortex, then. No! The Pro Tour is back! On March 31st, Wizards released an announcement that beginning with the 2022-2023 competitive season, the Pro Tour structure of organized play will be the new dominant structure. Oh, right, that, that is very exciting. And you have to give them credit for the timing, because if they had announced it one day later, people would 100% not believe them. Especially with the graphic they used to illustrate the Pro Tour process. A pyramid. But not a pyramid scheme. Not until they mix NFTs into it somehow. Please do not joke about things like that. Who's joking? The bottom layer has players starting off with a regional championship qualifier, which of course leads to the next level of regional championships themselves. Regional champions get to compete in the actual Pro Tour events themselves, and of course winners qualify for the World Championship. Each region's tournaments will be organized by a different group. The qualifiers will be mostly held at local WPN stores, and you can find the information for your region's tournaments at that organizer's website. These tournaments also get special promotional printings of a lava spike to give to all participants. To encourage participants to spike the event. And Nykthos, Shrine to Nyx, for all top-placed finishers. The regional championships themselves are major events akin to the Grand Prix of old on a bigger scale, and participants get a Teferi Hero of Dominaria promo. Regional qualifiers will be held both in stores and on the digital magic platforms. So, basically, what everyone's been wanting from an organized play system since Arena's first beta testing. Look! They did what people wanted and people reacted well! Yes, whoever could have imagined it. Everyone? We have all been hoping for this. Never never mind. The Pro Tours will happen three times a year, and the dates and locations will be announced later. The regional championships are the primary way to qualify, 
but a new system called Adjusted Match Points is also being installed to give players with high win rates at previous Pro Tours a chance to be invited to future ones. Online champion showcases are another way players can qualify for Pro Tours, so we'll be sure to give you more information about those as they approach. Maybe this will bring some of the Hall of Famers who left the game back into the fold. Well, they're automatically invited to play in the Pro Tour events, so if this doesn't do it, nothing else will. Maybe now that we've reclaimed organized play from the ravenous maw of the Mana Vortex, the old pros will feel safe enough to make themselves known again. One can only hope. Speaking of hope, there are some hopeful-looking previews ahead from Diz. That's right. With new Capenna information spilling forth, we're starting to see even more similarity to the Alara block. Each of the five factions will have a charm spell with a mana value equal to one of each of that faction's colors. It's always good to see some consistency. Except for the consistency of Halo on this plane. Well, that's a different story. Diz, what else have we learned so far? When the plane was first announced, it was mentioned that the families were run by demons. The three legendary creatures we've seen so far prove that to be true, with the Cabaretes Yetmir being a cat demon, the Maestros being run by a vampire noble demon named Lord Xander, and a sphinx demon named Rafine heading up the Obscura. Let me guess, the Obscura can't be blocked except by walls? Hey, I don't steal your shtick, so stick to your conspiracies, please. What shtick? And what conspiracies? <sighs> it's funny you should mention conspiracies, as WOTC used April Fool's Day to announce a left-handed secret layer. Five cards will be printed with artwork, making left hands prominent, as well as the normal positioning of mana costs and power and toughness boxes in reverse places. The five cards are Empress Galena, Garrick, Collar of Beasts, Sisse, Witherlight Captain, Geralt's Messenger, and Rograk, Son of Roga. Good to know these players won't be left behind, huh, Kit? Remind me why we're friends again? While Jank gets ice for that burn, I'd like to note that the left-handed set is just one part of the April Super Drop. Alongside the unique product are the three new artist series, each one by Magali Villeneuve, Siddharth Chaturvedi, and Wayne Reynolds. Joining them is a special guest artist, Matt Jukes, who has done a unique basic land package. For the current trend, with new primary sets, we'll get showcase cards with a new Capenna-themed artwork, and a new norm seems to be developing with a sillier, just some totally normal guy's lair. All these except for the showcase will be available in both foil and non-foil, and the showcase set will be available in foil. The Super Drop will be made available from April 11th through May 9th. Kit? Thank you, Diz. We'll head to our first commercial break, when we come back, we've got info about another menace on the streets of New Capenna. Hey, yo. Are you finding yourself one to be like Jexus, the troublemaker? Well, you can. Come on down to... You come on down to Zeotor's Proving Ground. Sign up sheets are by the Halo Fountain. Which, for all you cops out there, it's totally not a Halo Fountain. But come on down, and you can get some of the best tutelage with the best beatdowns to become yourself 
like Jaxus the Troublemaker, became themselves. You want to cause some trouble? You want to make some trouble? Do you want to be you, the Troublemaker? Well, come on down to Zeator's Proving Ground, where you can learn from the best how to beat down at the Proving Ground. Welcome back! Recently, we reported concerns regarding part of the world building for New Capenna. Specifically, some similarities to the Prohibition era or drug use regarding Halo. A large amount of the concerns came from the description of Halo as a powdered substance, with many people drawing an obvious comparison between Halo and highly questionable substances in our own world. That's the understatement of the episode. When taking guesses as to Halo's origin, it was widely speculated that it was made of ground-up angels, you know, because of the powdered consistency. When questioned about it, Light Humphreys of Wizards of the Coast explicitly stated that it was not, in fact, powdered angel, but remained cryptic as to Halo's true makeup. Well, we're now able to report, with disturbing certainty, that Light told the truth. It's not powdered angel, it's... fermented angel. Which, of course, conjures the image of people stepping on angels like employees at wineries do with grapes. Well, that's not technically what happens, and they mostly don't do that anymore. It's still pretty upsetting, especially when it functionally is akin to angel dust. Also, Soylent Green. Soylent Green didn't make you high, though. Regardless, it's an odd narrative device for Watsi to use, especially when they frequently said they're trying to avoid the promotion of drug use and other such behaviors. That is the second place understatement of the episode. But one thing we can't understate is the fact that we've got some interesting arena events right around the corner, so we'll throw it over to ISO to hear more. ISO? We're in a bit of a quieter moment for the competitive scene, with the next big prize event being the New Capenna Championship in May. This weekend, April 9th to 10th, holds the last qualifying weekend for that championship, with the top 1,200 ranked players in either Constructor Limited eligible to play. Players will compete in best of three matches of Alchemy Constructed, with six or more match wins at Day 1 qualifying them for Day 2, and six wins in Day 2 getting players into the New Capenna Championship. But there's more than one way to get into the qualifier. The next weekend, April 16th to 17th, will be the April Arena Open, this time with Historic as the format. For just 5,000 gems, or 25,000 gold, you can compete against others to earn a spot for Day 2 using either Traditional or Best of 1 decks. 4 match wins a Traditional or 7 Best of 1 will put you in Day 2, with gem-based rewards for those who can't quite make the cut. Day 2 is strictly Traditional, with any players who qualify for that day getting 5,000 gems minimum. The number increases depending on the player's win-loss record, up to 5 wins granting 25,000 gems and being the last non-cash winning record. 6 wins gets you $1,000 and 7 grants you $2,000 as well as an invitation to the aforementioned qualifier weekend. 8 wins gets you the top dollar prize of $2,500 and an invitation to the qualifier so there's certainly plenty for historic fans to compete for. Jank. <laughs> We'll take another break, and after that, a very special News Brews.
you've come to the right place. I can see you have a cultured sense of the arts. Here at Antilo's Art Studio, you can learn to cascade your talents into repeated income. Don't believe me? Just look at our customers' testimonies. All you have to do is learn the strokes of the business, and you too can become a true artiste. And Hilo's Fine Arts Academy, just down the street from Zahira's Proving Ground. Welcome back! And this edition of News Brews, I am joined by the one and only Chain Commander. Chain, thank you so much for joining. No problem. It is our absolute pleasure to have you. <laughs> That's good to hear, because I am here whether you want me here or not. Well, to be fair, if I didn't want you here, I could just hit stop on the record button. This is very true. This <laughs> is very true. Or, or maybe you're a glutton for punishment. We just don't know. Well, you've played Magic against me, so you kind of already know that. Yeah, we, we did play, and there was, there was punishment abound for all of us. It was great. It was. It was a good time. Speaking of magic and playing it, uh, which deck did you bring with you to talk about? I brought a deck affectionately known as the Yam. It is Tyam Luminous Enigma. Why the Yam? <laughs> because Tyam is the Yam. All right, fair enough. As Yam, right <laughs> in his name. It's right there. It's the last three letters. <laughs> well, I didn't know if it was something that straightforward or if it was a little bit deeper or what, you know. I'm not a creative person. And I would like all you listeners at home to expel from your mind the belief that I might even remotely be a creative person. And just <laughs> Actually, that reminds me. I forgot to do the intro because we got distracted. And I'm like, uh, but yeah. <laughs> I forgot to do the intro uh, part for you because we're distracted. Why don't you tell our viewer or our listeners really quickly what it is you do involving magic? Oh, well, I guess I guess you could say that I would go about saying, Hello, friendos, this is Chain of Chain of Commander, a influencer within the EDH community to the extent that I have roughly a thousand followers on Twitter and I have roughly 800 YouTube subscribers, you know. Those big numbers that people strive for. Uh, but I, I post hot, quote-unquote, takes all the time on Twitter, and I ask people what they think of different cards, and I post dumb comics that I relate to on an internal level. And that's that's about me. That's that's all I got going on right now. But you do create things. I, I do create, I guess, in the so loosest you- sense of the term. So by nature, you are also at least somewhat creative. No, no, no. You're stretching that a bit too. This is what we call gotcha journalism. Uh, yeah, you use the word creative and the word create because they have the same root word. Interesting. Fun. Yes. Any whomst. Uh, so the yam. Uh, tell us a little bit about Tyam itself and about the main meat and potatoes of the deck, what you want to do with it. All right. Well, uh, a little bit of backstory on the Yam here. Uh, for the longest time, I was 
bopping around in my head the idea of just doing a mechanically relevant plus one plus one counters deck because I liked I liked cars like Abzan Falconer and those other sort of cars that give you benefits for having plus one plus one counters on your creature. But at the time, uh, Abzan was definitely the color combination I wanted to be in. But there weren't really any dedicated Abzan plus one plus one counter commanders that really spoke to me. There were plenty that could work with it, but nothing that really leaped out as being a mechanically relevant commander. When I build decks, I like them to be mechanically relevant. I build around the mechanics, mechanisms, mechanical. All right, those are all the deviations of the word I can think of. Uh, Point is, one day I was going through a bunch of bulk after Liz opened up uh, one of the precons from, I think it was two or three years ago, had the uh, the Ikoria Precons had an Abzan deck with uh, one of the bug uh, kind of commanders on it on the face. But I was going through the card she wasn't using from that deck. And I came across Tyam. And I, I just kind of read him here. And pretty much Tyam says he, he's a he's a one white, black, green for a 3-3 legendary creature, Nightmare Beast. Each other creature you control enters the battlefield with an additional Vigilance counter on it. And then you can... Pay three mana of any color and remove three counters from amongst creatures you control to mill yourself three and then return a permanent with a mana value three or less from your graveyard to your battlefield. And I read that and I thought to myself, this is it. This is the plus one plus one commander I have been looking for. And from there, it was just a matter of adding all the plus one plus one relevant cards to it that I've always enjoyed and wanted to play. So you have things like Winding Constrictor, you have things like Scavenging Ooze, you have things like Rishthar, Rima Renegade, and like I said, the aforementioned Abzan Falconer, and a bunch of other just good value three drops that you can, over the course of the game, make very, very powerful with your plus one, plus one counters, and have a little bit of resilience by being able to bring things back. And a lot a lot of the creatures here, they're very good utility creatures, as in they have either enter the battlefield or activated abilities that can interfere with whatever your opponents are doing or benefit you so that you can use time's ability at instant speed to kind of act as a little bit of a toolbox effect. Hmm. Yeah. All right. So what are the veggies or the support cards that really get you where you want to go? That is an excellent question. I'm happy that you asked it. When it comes to the support cards here, I'm not looking at things that are necessarily as mechanically relevant as some of the cards I have already mentioned, but there are just a bunch of mana value three or less cards that I see as just being a necessary piece to having a functioning deck. And these are things that affect ramp and affect card draw and affect removal and the things of that ilk. So when it comes to ramp, uh, a lot of my favorite three drop or less creatures are things like Corsair Proofix, which allows you to play cards off the top of your deck. Not necessarily ramp, but definitely a way to make sure you hit your land drops. Wood Elves is a classic, a nice one to bring back with time to get pretty much any land you need. It's, it's, pure, it's perfect color fixing in this deck. Uh, the aforementioned Rishkar Pima Renegade is a nice one because it's not only a plus one, plus one counters matter card, but it also acts as ramp for you. It turns any creature you have with any sort of counter on it into a mana dork for you. Then we have pretty much all three relevant single green mana dorks. You have Elves of Deep Shadow, you have uh, Llanowar Elves, and then you have the uh, 
last one, the one that produces white, that's name is forgetting me at this time, uh, Avacyn's Pilgrim. Uh, and then you have pretty much all the Cygnus there. So those what I, they, those would be what I consider a good chunk of the veggies of the deck, is just this very accessible mana value three or less ramp that even in the early turns, when you're not necessarily trying to do any big things with Tyam, if you're able to get an activation off of them, you can always bring back a land or one of these ramp tools from the graveyard. And then in terms of removal, the other half of what I would consider a veggie kind of thing uh, he's got some basic stuff like Playcrafter. This is another mana value three or less creature you can bring back just to force everybody to sack a creature <laughs> or a planeswalker. Uh, we have uh, Feed the Swarm. Uh, that's a nice little fun one that kind of came out of what set did that one come out of again? That one came out of uh, Zendikar Rising, uh, the first black spell that could explicitly handle enchantments. Yes. I, I try to keep as many things to permanence as possible. Obviously, because time can only bring back permanence. Uh, but you also have, like, just value removal, path to exile, source of plowshares, murderous cut, a personal favorite card of mine, because essentially you're casting it for a single black mana most of the time. Uh, and then uh, every deck needs graveyard hate. I already know I mentioned scavenging ooze, but I also play Soul Guide Lantern here because it's also, also uh, both, rather. And instant speed, remove a single card from a graveyard if you're getting it off a tie-in. And second, you can just pop everybody's graveyard but your own, which is very important when you're playing a graveyard-centric deck that you leave your own graveyard alone. And then the last last kind of big one that I'm going to talk about here, uh, there's a couple others, but the big one, the spicy one that I want to include here is Retribution of the Ancients. Uh, this came out of Cons of Tarkir. It's uh, a single black for an enchantment with the activated ability of pay black, remove X plus one plus one counters from creatures you control. Target creature gets minus X, minus X until end of turn. Now that's actually, it can be a pretty hefty investment, but it is so mechanically relevant to the deck that there's no way I couldn't play a card like this in the, my build of Taya. Well, of course not. That'd be ludicrous. Of course not. It'd be insane. <laughs> All right. So we've gotten through a lot of the little stuff, but what is it what is things. your personal spice or your sweetness that really makes this a chain of commander deck instead of just another tie in deck? What makes the yam the yam? Oh, that that is an excellent question here. Uh, I would say Retribution of the Ancients is definitely one of the pieces here. Uh, and the thing is, though, you can look at this deck, and it, it makes sense as a tie-in deck. You wouldn't look at this and be like, ah, this is an absurdly unexpected tie-in deck. Because, like I said, I like to build around the mechanics, and when it comes to mechanical building, quite often the decks just fit together kind of like a puzzle. Uh, that said, there were a couple cards that I've kind of experimented with and kind of fiddled with a bit that didn't make the cut for me. Uh, so eventually, I've, after a lot of lot of kind of tweaking and stuff, this deck originally had difficulty with um, board clears. It, it could probably survive a single board clear. It might even survive two board clears well enough. But when you got to that third board clear, you were more or less out of the game because you just wouldn't have enough time to rebuild from there. So I kind of built in a, a, a backup package here. Uh, my most recent change to the deck was the inclusion of Carrion Feeder as a sack outlet, and then Rally the Ancestors as a way to just bring back pretty much everything from your graveyard at once for just five mana to just bring everything back, get all your Enter the Battlefield triggers, possibly rebuild your board very quickly if you're trying to block, block things with it, 
and then mm-hmm. sack them all to Carrion Feeder or also in the deck Viscera Seer to be able to still have those things in your graveyard and not needing to worry about exiling them to the Rally of the Ancestors. So unlike a lot of time decks, which which can, especially at this price point, tend to be a little bit grindier, this one is capable of that one big play at the end to really kick things into gear. All right, then. <laughs> uh, well, that brings us just about to where we need to be for the close. So uh, where can our listeners find you if they want to follow your content that you create uh, with your creativity? You keep using this word. I just I don't know what this word means. Creativity. I'll have to look that up later. Uh, well, like I said, I'm Chain of the Chain of Commander Influencers Sphere thing. Uh, you can find me primarily on Twitter at Chain underscore Commander. I also have a YouTube channel, which is a little on a, a bit of a hiatus at the time being, but that can be found at Chain of Commander on YouTube. Especially uh, for this deck in particular, I do have a deck tech of a slightly earlier version of this deck available on that channel. So if you are interested in Tyam, you can definitely check out that deck tech and uh, just see how I ended up building it, see a full deck list there, and really uh, get the taste of that sweet potato. <laughs> I, I don't know why, but suddenly I feel very uncomfortable. <laughs> it, it's a yam, sweet potato, sweet potato. No, I, I, get, the, I get it, but for some reason that, that gave me the ick. Uh-huh. I, I don't see. He's, have you seen Tyam? He is such a cute little bugger. He looks so fluffy and cuddly. You would never feel uncomfortable around this little furry. I I don't think fluffy is the right word for him. I've looked at him. He is uh, no, sinewy he's for 100% sure. One hundred percent fluffy, and he has weird horn thingies. I, I don't know what those are, but and weird leg tentacle fluffy, elbow joints. Uh, I, I mean, it's just like tentacles coming out of his back. His his. Legs look normal enough, I think. Mm, you're not looking at the left side of that artwork. If, then, if you're looking, looking at the picture of him right now. That, yeah, you're, I think you're looking at just the tree he is standing on there. Uh, that might be it. I, I now see his paw on, on that yeah. tree a little bit better. So, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, he's kind of like sitting on the paw, like with his little hands over it. Yeah, it's adorable. He looks like he's holding a game. I'd ride him stuff. around like a horse. For sure. <laughs> All yeah, right. Yeah, well, thank- yeah, he's just uh, doing some magic and stuff. all right well uh thank you again for joining us no problem if you ever want me back seriously reconsider it first but i'd be willing to do it desperate times and all that chain's decklist can be found in the show notes our final story for the episode is another follow-up to last episode the professor's kickstarter surpassed our predictions and at time of recording is now over 2.6 million When this episode releases, there will still be five days left to back the Kickstarter and reap the rewards. Rewards like new color schemes, Kickstarter-exclusive spin-down dice, and custom tokens. To be clear, we are sponsored by neither The Professor nor Kickstarter. Though, if either of them hear this and want to change that, my Twitter DMs are open. Ahem. Right, sorry. We just think this is an incredibly interesting story and a huge sign of how much the community loves the prof. And we wouldn't be doing our jobs as newscasters if we didn't cover the touching moments in the community. Quite right. And I did, in the end, wind up ordering one. 
So did I, but I'm guessing you decided it wasn't overkill after all. Oh, it's definitely still overkill, and possibly somewhat overbuilt. But I like it, I want a fancy toy, and it's still less expensive than dichroic glass dice. Dichroic glass dice? Yes, they are so pretty, and the most expensive dice ever to dice. That's all for this edition. We'll see you next time. Same time, new news.